capturing images of people across China, exploring its ever-changing lifestyles and feeling the heartbeat of its villages, towns and cities. This is Selfie. This is Selfie. Giving you real-life stories in China. China, China, China. Hello and welcome to this edition of Selfie. I'm your host, Tony Reed. Hair, painting and embroidery. Can you imagine combining these three elements to create a new artwork? Well, it's these three elements that some Chinese artists have combined with their expert craftsmanship. Called hair embroidery, this kind of craft is being promoted in Suzhou, a city famous for its rich cultural heritage and delicate traditional craftsmanship. Now let's follow Wu Jia to the city and find out exactly what hair embroidery is. Suzhou Museum in the center of the old town of Suzhou is always packed with tourists and visitors during its opening hours. Tapping into the rich cultural heritage of the city, the various kinds of exhibitions in the museum are fascinating to people from home and abroad who want to find out about Suzhou's history and culture. In one of the exhibition halls, Nell Greenhouse from England is impressed with what she's seeing. It's fascinating. Um, you can use hair to bring out such lively embroidery it's really really interesting and I'm quite astounded by how um, at first look it looks like it's been drawn right it's so intricate and then you look closer and you suddenly realize it's actually been sewn. Greenhouse is talking about an exhibition of famous traditional Chinese paintings recreated through embroidery. Called Zhou Yinghua's Art of Hair Embroidery the exhibition has on show some 20 artworks depicting Buddhist images or scenes of daily life in ancient China. Zhou Yinghua, creator of these artworks, says Buddhism was the original source of inspiration for hair embroidery. At the beginning, my hair embroidery works were all of Buddhist images. You know, originally, hair embroidery was connected with Buddhism. In ancient China, hair embroiderers were very pious about their work. Before they sat down and began to stitch, the embroiderers had to wash their hands and get the incense burning to show their respect to Buddha. Hair embroidery dates back about 1,300 years and originates from the Tang dynasty. Then, women Buddhist believers used their hair to embroider Buddhist images to show their piety. In ancient China, hair was seen as a sacred part of the human body. Cutting hair and using it to embroider Buddhist images with it showed great respect and devotion by embroiderers who believed in Buddhism. Zhou Yinghua, herself a Buddhist, says most of her early works are reproductions of existing historic paintings. But she says the process still involves changes and creativity. Some of the source paintings we've discovered can be easily adapted to hair embroidery, but for others, we have to recreate their lines and patterns. Take this Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara image, for example. We had to recreate the lines of the original painting. It's a color mirror of the Fahai Temple in Beijing. So, the original painting was about color and had few sharp lines. When we embroidered this painting, we had to sketch the lines and then use hair to emulate the painting. 
it would be reasonable for a layman to ask whether the Bodhisattva image was done with ink and color, or work embroidered with hair. Joe emphatically allays these doubts and says the artwork is entirely made of hair. The whole picture was made with hair, and all of the hair in the picture is original, not dyed. For the whole picture, only the seal is in color. For the white robe worn by Bodhisattva, I used white hair. One of Joe's masterpieces is a reproduction of the teachings of Vimalakirti, a very famous scroll created in the Song Dynasty some 800 years ago. The scroll depicts a Buddhist story celebrating the supremely wise layman Vimalakirti, who provided canonical proof that enlightenment and salvation were possible even for believers who remained outside monastic orders. The scroll portraits Vimalakirti seated on a dais, preaching to his audience. He is depicted with the attributes of a traditional Confucian scholar, long beard, fly whisk, and armrest. Zhou Yinghua says her version of the picture expresses a three-dimensional effect using thick, thin, dark, light, straight, or curly hairs. This masterpiece won a golden prize in 2007 at a national competition held by the China Arts and Crafts Association. But how do hair embroidery artists like Zhou produce such pictures? Joe explains that most of the steps are similar to ordinary embroidery, which uses silk or other kinds of threads. But there are two major steps that differ from ordinary embroidery when hair is used. The first step is to choose the hair. Not every kind of hair can be used in this embroidery. It must be from a young person and longer than 40 centimeters. It should be in its original state, not dyed. After we collect the hair, it will be processed. It must be steeped in egg whites for two hours. This allows us to extract the protein from the hair. Afterwards, we wash and clean the hair. Then we dye it according to the colors we need for the picture. Joe adds that the canvas for hair embroidery has to be specially made. The second step is to get the canvas ready and fix it in a standing frame. This step is the same as that in silk embroidery. But hair embroidery is more delicate than silk embroidery when it comes to drawing the draft sketches of the picture you want on the canvas before you embroider. So we must process the canvas using a special procedure in case the ink of the sketches on the canvas fades. When the canvas is ready, Joe says she will get down to drawing the sketches of the patterns she wants with a Chinese calligraphy brush. After that, the delicate embroidery begins and takes about a month even for the smallest of pieces. Rolling, wrapping, cutting and connecting, in Joe's hands the needle and hair become the ink and brush of an artist. As Zhou Yinghua concentrates on making her artworks with needle and hair, we wonder how she first got involved in this time-consuming craft. All will be revealed in the second part of our story. Now let's take a short break. Stay tuned. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour. 
The Beijing Hour brings you an hour of comprehensive news and information from both China, China, and the rest of the world. Rest of the world. A mix of news, sports, and entertainment. In-depth analysis of the day's big stories, as well as the most comprehensive business of the day. The Beijing Hour. Beijing Hour. Your very own window to China and the rest of the world. ChinaPlus.cri.cn is your home for everything you want to know about China. The latest news in China and everything China-related from around the world. Everything in focus, all in one place, bringing you vital information for your business and travel. Chinese culture, language learning, and more. ChinaPlus.cri.cn. ChinaPlus.cri.cn. Your portal into today's Middle Kingdom. Capturing images of people across China, exploring its ever-changing lifestyles, and feeling the heartbeat of its villages, towns, and cities. This is selfie. This is selfie. Giving you real-life stories in China. 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 You've been listening to Selfie. Now Wu Jia continues the story of hair embroidery artist Zhou Yinghua. Sixty-one-year-old Zhou Yinghua is a native of Suzhou. When she was a teenage girl, she found out about hair embroidery from her father, one of the founders of the Suzhou Embroidery Institute, which came into being in 1954. Having mastered the craft in the 1970s. Joe kept it as a part-time hobby for about three decades. In 2000, then 42-year-old Joe began to devote more of her time to preserving and promoting the traditional craft. In that year, she set up her own workshop. Her move came as China began to rediscover its traditional cultural resources after two decades of a rapid modernization drive. She says her workshop didn't initially focus on hair embroidery. At the time, we did embroidery using both hair and silk. The basic embroidering skills of hair embroidery are the same as silk embroidery. The latter is the basis of the former. Five years later, the Suzhou city government conducted a citywide survey to find out how many traditional crafts the city had. The investigation signaled a move to increase government support for preserving and promoting traditional crafts. Zhou says the government survey helped her and her workshop focus only on hair embroidery. The survey found there was a person doing hair embroidery in Suzhou. Then most residents didn't know of the existence of such a traditional craft. My teacher Li Eying told me that hair embroidery was connected with my father. She said that the first hair embroidery work in Suzhou had been made under his supervision. Later, my father founded the Dongtai Arts and Crafts Factory. As his daughter, this is my family background. So my teacher Li Eying persuaded me to stick to hair embroidery. That's why I felt I should take responsibility for keeping the craft going for future generations. The Dongtai Arts and Crafts Factory was established in the 1970s when Zhou Yinghua's father worked in Dongtai, a city more than 200 kilometers to the north of Suzhou. 
Along with Suzhou, Dongtai has become a center for the craft thanks to Zhou Yinghua's father. With a new sense of mission and government support, Zhou then began a journey of promoting the craftsmanship inherited from her father. After the survey by the Suzhou city government, officials told me that people would never know what you could make if you stayed out of the public limelight. They said I should reach out to the larger circle of traditional crafts as well as the general public. So in 2005, I entered for the first time a national exhibition hosted by the China Arts and Crafts Association. One of my hair embroidery works won the Golden Prize in that exhibition. Since 2005, Zhou Yinghua has devoted herself to creating her embroideries while promoting the craft among ordinary people. Another of her masterpieces, Huo Lang Tu, also won a golden prize in a national competition held by the China Arts and Crafts Association in 2011. Huo Lang Tu, or the Knickknack Peddler, is a painting by a Chinese artist who lived some 800 years ago. It depicts a peddler selling various kinds of daily wares, toys, snacks, etc., in a village attracting kids and women. The painting depicts incredible details of the items carried by the peddler and the delicate expressions of the children, women and dogs. It offers a useful glimpse into the rural life of ancient China. Zhou's version of the painting has a three-dimensional effect of the various small objects depicted in the original. Zhou says her piece is a creative work, not just a copy. After a long period of time, the original colors of a painting change or fade. So during our recreation, we have to determine what the particular colors are for every tiny part of the work according to what we understand. With the objects depicted in the original painting, we have to determine what they are and their colors and shapes. With regard to the historic figures in the painting, we have to determine what kind of clothes they wore and how they should look. So we have to add our own understanding of related history and paintings. We need to accumulate this kind of knowledge day by day. The knick-knack peddler hair embroidery took Jo 10 months to finish. Such time-consuming craft means that her six-member team can only make about 10 quality works a year. When we ask her how the team support themselves, Jo says their work is mainly for fine art collection, which generates income. My works have nothing to do with government procurement. What I have been pursuing is to create real artworks. So my works are bought by art collectors. Many of China's traditional crafts lack market value and depend on government support for survival. As Zhou's art is seen as high-end, the price ranges from several thousand yuan for a small piece to millions of yuan for a long scroll. But still, it's a small niche art market and it's not stable. Sometimes, for example, I don't sell a single work, so I don't get a penny. But sometimes, we might earn millions by selling just one piece. This is uncertain. Take the year before last, for example. We didn't sell any of our works for most of the year. 
But at the end of that year, a buyer appeared in my workshop and took interest in one of my works. Through him, we earned more than a million yuan just from this single buyer. Zhou admits that her team faces a challenge in promoting the craft to create a stable market for it. As regards marketing, we are short of hands and not good at it, so we focus on making the best works. Then, because of the superb quality, I can count on my friends to spread my reputation. The exhibition in Suzhou Museum has offered an ideal opportunity for the craftswoman to reach out to the general public. Suzhou Museum has provided us with a place to showcase our works as intangible cultural heritages. This platform is very good. Suzhou Museum is the cultural center of Suzhou City. This museum, with its new building designed by Eo Mingpei, has had great influence among the public. Zhou's promotion efforts have not been in vain. This is the first time I've seen hair embroidery. Before, I only knew of shoe embroidery and other kinds of embroidery using threads. These hair embroideries have surprised me. It's only Chinese craftsmanship that has produced artworks by using hair as the threads. I hope this kind of traditional craft can be passed on to the future generations, so that this kind of art can be enjoyed in posterity. Mr. Wu from Shandong Province is impressed by Zhou's artworks, as are most of the other visitors to the exhibition. It's likely that some of them one day may become the proud owners of Zhou's hair embroidery pieces. Now let's take another break. In the final part of this story, we'll take a look at how Zhou Yinghua and her team are making innovations to the traditional craft. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. Studio Plus, a feast of news, culture, and views. All right, let's go. Tune in to meet some fascinating people. Share their stories. China is one of the great creative countries. Old Beijing style. Exclusively Chinese musicals. Studio Plus. Something fresh. Then add in your mushrooms. Something fun. Something more. Studio Plus. Studio Plus. You've been listening to Selfie. Now let's follow Wu Jia to continue our story about hair embroidery. Like most traditional craftsmanship, hair embroidery also faces a shortage of talent supply. Only a few people want to learn and inherit this traditional craft. A young college graduate can easily land a job earning some 6,000 yuan a month, but if he or she comes to my workshop and learns hair embroidery, he or she will have little income to start with. Joe says it takes years, even a decade, for an apprentice to master the skills to finish a quality and marketable work. 
on top of that, the ideal apprentice has to possess special qualities. To sustain the craft, I don't want younger hair embroiderers to be illiterate or low-educated women. I hope future inheritors will be well-educated in various aspects. They should be good at drawing and able to use a computer for assistance as well as embroidering. The most important thing is that they should have a tranquil temperament and be able to concentrate on the work on their own. Luckily for Joe, she has recruited a good apprentice. Miss Guo came to learn hair embroidery with me in her spare time when she was a sophomore. After she graduated from college, she joined us as a full-time member. Why did I choose her? First, she's young. Second, she has mastered the skills of drawing as she majored in a painting-related subject at college. Although she didn't study gongbi painting, she has an instinct for color. So it was easy for her to learn gongbi painting and needlework. Gongbi painting is characterized by fine brushwork, close attention to details, and bright colors. This method of painting is also involved in hair embroidery. Joe's apprentice is Guo Xiaoqi, and she has been learning hair embroidery for four years. 23-year-old Guo is from Liaoning province in northeast China. She came to Suzhou when she got into Suzhou University of Science and Technology between 2013 and 2017. The young woman says she has been interested in traditional Chinese culture since childhood. I like drawing and embroidering very much. When I sit down to paint and embroider, I feel relaxed and can concentrate on creating the artworks I want. Since joining my teacher Zhou Yinghua's team, I've made five works. But I still devote a lot of my time to studying historic paintings and traditional Chinese painting skills. I have also been enriching my knowledge of drawing and art history. Guo adds that Zhou Yinghua is strict with her. My teacher is very strict with my skills. Since the very beginning, she has been tutoring me to a high standard. I think this is good for me. She has also asked me to master not only embroidering and painting, but also designing. With well-educated members like Guo, Zhou Yinghua and her team are exploring new themes as well as reproducing famous paintings. In my opinion, we have explored nearly all the famous historic paintings and have made the best relevant works of hair embroidery. But I think we should explore resources and themes beyond this. In this regard, Miss Guo has made her own designs. For example, she has chosen to embroider the Gate of the Orient with hair. The Gate of the Orient is a landmark building in Suzhou, famous across the country. With a height of 301.8 meters, the Gate of the Orient is currently the tallest building in Suzhou, in the heart of the city's modern China-Singapore Suzhou Industrial Park. It's intended to be a contrasting modern symbol of a gateway to a city famed for its history and culture. While expressing the modernity of Suzhou through hair embroidery, Zhou Yinghua and her team are also exploring new needlework methods. 
We are also making explorations in terms of how to do the needlework. In the past, we used a method called plain stitching. We have tried some new ways of stitching, but in vain. Now we have successfully come up with the so-called irregular stitch to express a sketch. So this is one of our inventions in embroidery. Zhou has been designated a provincial-level master of traditional arts and crafts in Jiangsu province. She joins some 3,200 craftsmen holding such titles across the country, according to statistics from the China Arts and Crafts Association. It is hoped that her apprentice Guo Xiaoqi will one day join them and bring forward the craft of hair embroidery. Thanks, Wu Jia. With that, we conclude this edition of Selfie. We really hope you enjoyed it. For more, you can log on to our website, chinaplus.cri.ca. From our producer, Yin Shouqi, this is Tony Reed. Bye for now. <laughs>